Today's episode is brought to you by Reef Builders, winner of Best of Howls, five years running. Reef Builders is a Tempe, Arizona-based, full-service design-build construction company. What's a design-build company? It means you deal with one company for everything. Reef Builders is able to take your vision and bring it to life by drawing your plans, producing photorealistic, high-resolution 3D renderings of your kitchen, baths, and more, helping you design and pick your finishes, and finally, executing that vision. With their years of building experience and a superior client experience, using tools such as online project management software through their client portal that allows you to see your renovation in real time. Whether you're in town, on vacation, or living in another state, you have access to job progress photos, your build schedule, financials, and much more anywhere in the world. So if you're looking for a complete bath or kitchen renovation, a complete home renovation, a custom home designed and built, or a boutique commercial project built out, Reef Builders can deliver it. Reef Builders. Your vision, their experience delivered. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Make the Difference. We actually delayed our uh, Wednesday release to be able to get into a room and talk about all the shit that's happening out in the world right now. So more specifically, the coronavirus. What's happening? Yeah, there's some stupidity out there happening. So uh, today's podcast will be directly related to how to lead your people in times of crisis. So that's that's going to be the whole theme. This is transferable not only to the fire service, but small business people out there that, that actually have to lead in times of now um, where things are uncertain. You don't know uh, necessarily what's going to happen. And there's a lot of things out there that are just, you know, waiting for things to either get worse or for things to get better. Um, times like these demand the most out of a leader and the most out of an organization. So these can be trying times, but however you handle these things, um, will definitely reflect on how your people react and how the overall, um, uh, feeling of your company or, or organization, fire truck, battalion, whatever it is, uh, reacts to all the craziness that's happening out there. Yeah, so. without a doubt. So there is some legitimate scary times going on out there right now. And these are things that we actually have never uh, dealt with, at least on this scale and, and, and especially this generation of of society and this generation of uh, public safety folks. So I think it's fair for us to really talk about some of it and to be able to to, to start to to break it down into some of the simpler aspects so that so that our uh our current leaders, you know, our organizational leaders, and 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 the leaders of business uh, that that may be directly involved in some of this has some ideas of what they can be doing and how they should go about managing and leading their people through this successfully. This is not going to be easy. This is not going to be comfortable. Like Krushak said, this is a this is the exact definition of us working in a, a in a. And a job and in a, in a position and a and a and a service that is not about convenience. Yeah, this is this is Completely. this is becomes a very inconvenient thing for us, uh, especially when there's uh, a lot of fear potentially tied to this because there's so much unknown about it. Absolutely. So I, I think that one one of the goals for me was to uh, be able to focus and and speak directly to. Uh, company officer level folks, first level supervisors, uh, either public safety or, or otherwise, and then, then second level supervisors of what is it they can be doing uh, and how they should go about actually leading during during this these times and and what's of benefit um, and how are we going to get the most out of our our, our our people that are that are doing the work for us and so uh, you know a, a reminder really is is so for the public safety and specific the fire EMS side of, uh, of our audience is we're here for two things. And, uh, and we always have been, it's the saving lives and saving property. Right. And so this is very much in the wheelhouse of saving lives and uh, maybe not so much property, but it is about saving critical infrastructure, which tends to go uh, unnoticed or, or overlooked in that uh w- what we're doing right now for critical infrastructure with regards to uh, protection uh, in our in our uh, cities and in, in our society. So for um, uh, to talk about the things that become important right now for people uh, who are in these positions is um, uh, there, there's a few things. And so I, I kind of want to break them down and just talk about them a little bit. 
first and foremost, um, we have to be functioning uh, uh, using an intelligence-led operation model. Yeah, let's frame this thing first, right? Though, okay, right. Let's so, do that. yeah, let's yeah. let's frame it. So, at a high level, we're in a position where there is a virus out there that will overwhelm the system if it is allowed to. So, the steps that we're taking right now, as whatever the world, a country, a state, a county, a city, we are taking the steps to minimize the amount of people that contract the virus, because we have a finite number of resources: hospitals, beds ventilators, doctors, uh, nurses, fire captains, firefighters, paramedics. Those are a limited number. We can't magically make more of those by going, poof, you're good. They're like, hey, we need more drivers. That's not how this, how our system works, right? So we're in this situation because we want to be able to mitigate risk, right? So back, back to the risk management deal. If, if, if we're going to mitigate this thing, slow it down, because we're going to extend it. That's basically what we're doing. But it's going to be a low, lower level extension. It's not going to peak. It's not going to overwhelm hospitals or um, the EMS system or whatever, potentially. So that's why we're in the situation that we're in. And, and as you and I were talking before this even started, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is what we're fucking paid for. This is what public safety, um, essential businesses, the military, when shit hits the fan, that's when we got to put on our big boy pants and do what you know we're supposed to do and what we're paid to do and why the public has its full amount of trust on us. Yeah, that w- public safety uh, is often looked at in good times and in safe times as an insurance policy. They're really only there in case something bad happens. And so when people call 911, they take, they're using their insurance policy, if you will, I guess, with us. Um, but now we're going to be looking at it on a grand scale. And the expectation is, is when our community needs us, when our critical infrastructure partners in the healthcare system, uh, uh, in the city, in the county, in the state, uh, and even nationally need us, this is when we have to step up. This is when people call this, they are going to need us. And interestingly, we can talk about this virus and we can worry about this virus all we want, but we are still going to have fires at the same time. We are still going to have other unrelated major medical issues going on uh, in our city that, that people are going to be calling 911 for. So our ability to not only manage this virus thing and all the things that are associated with it is we cannot turn an eye to where we sacrifice uh, our our capacity and our ability to be good in our core mission. Mm-hmm. And and, and, uh, and that's the, the those those fire responses and those special operations responses and those other medical responses uh, um, aren't going away. They're life-threatening. Yeah. Legitimately life-threatening. Not I have a, a cough or a cold or something like that. Like we, we have to perform still and we have to be fully staffed to be able to perform. Yeah. And by the way, the threat of violence isn't going away nope. in our cities. Um, so we need to be prepared for all of that at the same time as managing all this other stuff. So the greatest threat we have right now with this virus is to the healthcare system in that it is not necessarily on how many people are going to die. And I, I think that's a pretty significant number and nobody really knows until uh, we look, we're standing on the other side of this or on the downhill slide that we'll know just how serious that, that, that number got and the percentages got. But it's, it is about the sheer number of people that potentially can get seriously ill and the overwhel- and that that number overwhelming our healthcare system. Right. And there's only so many ICU beds. And what we are seeing with this illness is that people are getting very sick very quickly and uh, requiring intubation and other invasive care. Um, much more rapidly than uh, in a lot of other things that we that we have to deal with. And when that happens, when we have people on ventilators and we have people needing that other ICU level type care, we're we are in a or we have a significant potential to overwhelm that system pretty quickly. And and I know that pretty intimately because I have a a, a wife in that uh, industry who's preparing to to manage these patients. Uh, in a, at a scale that they've actually, the healthcare system has never managed here in the in the United States. We're watching history be made right now. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's cool and scary all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and 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 luckily we're fortunate enough to be able to talk about it where other people aren't, and we just don't want to be in the position where your wife or uh, somebody of higher level care has to make the decision. You get the ventilator, 
versus you. And we we are legitimately uh, uh, going to be in the position where they're going to have to make that decision. Because if you look at what's happening in Italy and some other countries with their care providers and some of the hard decisions, triage-type decisions they're having to make, it's pretty serious. We make them a lot of times on large larger scale incidents of violence or right. or accidents where we start looking around now who is the most savable here who should i expend my efforts and my my limited resources on trying to save and when the healthcare system has to do that as a whole that's a pretty scary system well it's crazy right cuz it, because it kind of go it, it goes back to uh, tactically speaking military or 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 uh, firewise let's say like it's it, it's it's shitty to, it's shitty to to say and shitty to hear, but at times you have to write off what's been lost, right, and focus on what's savable. So I mean, and 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 we don't we don't want to have to be in, in that situation ever. But if you are in that situation, obviously, you know, you have to be able to to make that right call. And the line that helps us decide what is lost is based on our resources and our capacity to actually do something about it. Right. And so that line will move as the problem gets worse and but and our resources are outpaced by that increase of the problem, then you're going to have to start making uh different decisions tomorrow that you would have today simply based because I on the fact that we don't have enough stuff to be able to help people. So somebody that I might have tried saving yesterday is not somebody that I may be able to try and save today. Gotcha. So, so I think we framed the shit out of that. Yeah. That, well, well, and good. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm glad we did. Yeah. That kind of helps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that helps the, the, the conversation and, and, and the reality of it, Robert, right? Because I, I feel like right now firefighters and public safety folks uh, are at a little bit of a loss for intelligence and like real usable information because they can't take their eyes off the news. And there's nothing about the news that typically offers refined, re- yeah. usable intelligence. And, and us as public safety systems and public safety professionals need to start doing a much better job of, of figuring out that intelligence. What, the, what is the, the, the operating picture right now? What do we anticipate the operating picture becoming? And sharing that profusely is this is not a time for a lack of communication. This is a time for very clear, regular, standardized communication and intelligence sharing processes so that it helps people make better decisions. Yeah, a solid and, communication plan, which which that needs to be in place and followed. On top of that, um, you know, we're we're speaking to, to to the leadership time. This isn't the fucking time to be sending an email to someone to discuss something that's sensitive. Like, get on the fucking phone, make a phone call. If you can do it face to face, even better. Don't run from the fucking problem, and don't hide from the problem, and don't 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 sit behind a keyboard and 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 trying to address something that is highly sensitive. It never works. No, it doesn't. It it, it lacks, that's my personal opinion. Yeah, so. well, it lacks the leaders. It, it lacks the ability to share leaders' intent. It lacks the ability to have some any type of face to face conversation that 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 builds integrity and confidence in 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 understanding the situation and 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 uh, that we are in a understanding what are we in a good position to handle this or aren't we in a good position to handle this? So yeah, there there is and so but there's standardized methods that that we all should be using and we all should be uh, subscribing to that's going to help this. We want we want our firefighters, our our companies, our police officers, our 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 you know however you want to break this thing out. We want all the frontline workers being able to show up to work with a reasonable level of confidence and a reasonable level of um, uh, understanding of what the situation is. Because our uh, in my experience, our guys can take some pretty serious shitty, ugly uh, conditions. If you have a conversation with them, yeah, and, and they, you're straight up. They know yeah. and they understand yeah. and they 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 get it yeah. and they'll go and they'll go to work and they'll they'll do it in a pretty fantastic way. There's there's a huge difference of writing, I'm scared and we don't know what our next uh, steps are, than me saying, Yeah, I'm scared. I don't know what our next steps are. It's complete you can't read tone, you can't read intonation, you can't read any of that stuff and at those times is when your people need to hear either the passion or the care or the compassion or the empathy or whatever in your voice to translate that out to what the mission is. Yeah, without a doubt. So, uh, so back to what I was talking about earlier is we need to be functioning from a, uh, an intelligence led, uh, position. 
So every day understanding what's going on, uh, what is the situation, um, where uh, where are we compared to yesterday, and where do we think we're going to be tomorrow compared to today. And that allows our uh, leaders, uh, at whatever level of the organization, it doesn't, right. doesn't really matter, to show up to the people that they're supposed to be reporting f- uh, for, or the people that they're responsible for, and to be able to give them pr- some pretty clear information. Okay, mm-hmm. here's what's going on. Right now, here's the good, bad, and the ugly of it, and um, and this is what we need to do today to get through what we have, what what we think we have in store for us, and uh, and if we're seeing this uptick in calls, and we're seeing an uptick in certain types of calls, or things that we need to be prepared for um, uh, uh, that are ancillary to this problem that seems to be front and center, that we're ready for anything and everything. So right now, the whole American public safety system, the whole American healthcare system is having an issue with PPE. There's not enough of it. So because there's a not enough of it, people lack the confidence that it'll be there in the future when we need it. So I think we have issues of maybe hoarding it going on or tucking it away. So I'm going to save it for when it gets really bad. Well, what that does is that puts us in a bad spot. It doesn't put us in an ability to predict or to be able to, to model how much stuff we're really going to need. And it could actually absolutely let us uh, end up causing an issue where we don't have enough when we really need it. Right. And so, um, again, that information sharing, that intelligence sharing on here's exactly the situation with PPE. Here's exactly what it is. And here's, here are the reasonable ex- expectations for its use. Uh, are 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 our N95 masks reusable? Absolutely, and huh. uh, I, I had heard that they weren't. Yeah, they are absolutely reusable. You can use them on more than one call. It's even possible to clean them. Uh, it's not a great system. I don't want to have to rely on it, but it is that that is real. Use wise, like once, twice, three times. Well, so it depends, right? It depends yeah. on what you're getting exposed to. Gotcha. And so that's the other thing is we have to understand the state of the problem in which we're in. So when you look at public health emergencies or uh, public health crisis or large scale crisis, um, it comes in phases. And the initial phase is once we recognize there is a problem, uh, we go into that prevention mode. And we really are kind of in that mode right now, and we may be getting to the tail end of that mode. But we're, we're trying to implement things that prevent the spread or prevent the transmission or decrease the likelihood of this getting worse, things that we can actually control, uh, um, and, and seeing if that has an impact to what's going on. Now, interestingly, uh, and the reading and the, and, the, and the listening I was doing to this morning says we're about 10 to 14 days behind. So what we're doing today, we may not be able to measure the outcome or the effectiveness of it for 10 to 14 days. Which makes complete sense. Yeah, it doesn't make yeah, sense. It's yeah, super frustrating, yeah, right? right yeah. We don't necessarily, that doesn't make us feel good. Like, right. God, I hope we're doing the right shit right now. But you mean we want instant gratification and instant everything <laughs> yeah, now? Apparently, yeah, apparently. Yeah, apparently we've become used to that. Oh, that's uh, weird. It's kind of like with being able to buy toilet paper, I guess. But, <laughs> Um, Please fucking stop hoarding toilet yeah, paper. Exactly. Buy what you need. Jesus. I hope you choke on it if you've got a whole house full of it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but um, so we've been in this preventative phase, and we're trying to do all things. That's where the social distancing things come from. That's where you see uh, elected officials starting to declare emergencies so that it f- it uh, actually gets rid of some of the bureaucracy so they can put some things in place with for businesses and public uh, gathering places that diminish the likelihood of people gathering to uh, potentially spread this, and so and the isol you know stay at home if you don't need if you don't have a reason to be out and don't do the normal social things that you do uh, um, right now. Um, so that's that whole preventative side. They're trying to diminish the spread. Interestingly enough, once this becomes uh, community, as they call community spread, meaning the people that are, are now sharing the sharing the virus that have no connection to people who have traveled out of the country or been to these other hyper-exposed places where it's, we're now sharing it amongst each other. 
Um, that's depending on that volume and when that gets serious, serious enough, we move to this mitigation phase where now we're just dealing with the consequences of people getting these viruses. And once we get to the mitigation phase, our firefighters and our, and our healthcare system, uh, and I think the healthcare system understands it way better than public safety does, is at that point, everybody's got it unless proven otherwise. Yeah. And so everybody we come in contact with, whether you, we can no longer just cull uh, flu-like symptom calls uh, away from the rest of the types of calls we go on, because now when we go on people with chest pain and we go on people who are having a stroke and we're going on, you know, whatever else type of calls we go on, we have to assume they all have it because now it is community spread. And at that point, there is no, there is no isolation there is no um, uh, quarantining. There is no um, uh, when it when we think everybody's got it. You have to treat everybody as if they got it. Everybody gets the same set of PPE precautions, yeah. regardless of the type of call. And we really have to then diminish our social interaction. So there's a lot of so I, I think right now we and by by everybody else's definition and Lord knows I'm not setting these definitions but by everything I know and understand and 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 let me comment about this I feel really really happy about the state we're in in the, at least in Arizona and in Maricopa County because I happen to know and have met uh, both. Uh, Dr. Christ, who is uh, the, who leads the Arizona Department of Health Services, and Dr. Rebecca Sunshine, who's the uh, Maricopa County uh, um, uh, Department of Health uh, boss. Um, they are both legit, smart people with real experience um, leading these types of things. They don't have GEDs. Yeah, no, they, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, they, 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 these, these, these women and these people know exactly what they're doing. And, uh, and I do, and I'm pretty, pretty inspired and confident by the decisions that they're making in, in for us as a community and us as public safety folks. So I, 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 I want to say that because I, I truly believe it and I would, I wouldn't say it if I actually didn't believe it. Um, so for us as firefighter, small business owner, how do we lead our people right now? So again, We're that intelligence-based information is so figure out uh, uh, a system, uh, a public safety system, but business needs to figure out um, where they're getting their intelligence from, and they need to get that regularly, and they need to update it often. And where should we where should we be getting it from? So, the CDC yeah. from so for business and private folks, uh, that is all about uh, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC. That's all about the Arizona Department of Health Services, which is our state health service yep. uh, regulatory uh, authority here in Arizona. And then most specifically is the Maricopa County Department of Health. Um, they are the public health um, uh, authority for us. And they're the ones making a lot of the decisions about care and treatment and uh and tracking of this from an epidemiological standpoint and providing us the right information so that we can model and understand where is, it, where is this going in the next day, three days, seven days, 14 days, that type of thing. So that, for the public, is the absolute best place to get your information. And they are doing a pretty good job by, uh, by updating that regularly. Which is real scientific statistical data as... Uh, real time as it could possibly be. Yeah, they weren't elected to anything. No, they no. they didn't get They're their scientists. jobs by a popularity contest. Yeah. They got their jobs by being good at what they are doing. It's science and yeah, <laughs> the, the science. The, yeah. To quote Ron Burgundy, yeah. it's science. Yeah, it's science. Yeah. yeah. So on, uh, yeah, a a absolutely. So they're from a public standpoint are going to be the ones that are getting us the information that we need to operationalize as a small business or we need to operationalize as, as a public safety system. Uh, public safety has access to more intelligence, um, uh, critical infrastructure intelligence through the Department of Homeland Security. That's why the Department of Homeland Security was developed is for these types of things and dealing with the 17 key critical infrastructure sectors in the United States uh, and public health being a pretty large one. So um, uh, them in concert with the CDC in concert, uh, well, FEMA is a part of the Department of Health Services. I read today that, the, that FEMA is now a has a full activation, <laughs> uh, nationwide activation. That's a pretty big deal. That does not happen uh, 
regularly. And I guess I can't put my finger on a time when it actually did happen. Maybe, maybe during some of the bigger storms that we've had recently, we've had full activations. But um, uh, since their development in uh, our DHS is in development after 9-11, this is uh, one of the highest domestic levels of activation I think we've ever seen. So um, that system is supposed to work. And, and, and I don't care what anybody's political views are, is when that system's functioning correctly, it can be of great benefit to the community. Um, and no system's perfect. No. And, yeah, and, they'll have their, their hiccups just like anything else. But I will say, in my opinion, the weakest part of that system is uh, the, the, the citizens, the yes. communities right. following through on what they're being told and directed and recommended to do. Well, that's what we're seeing right now, right? You know, kids in, in Clearwater, Florida on beaches and this and that and the other. And yeah, like, absolutely. Know, yeah, and, so. and and shoot, I uh, I went and uh, uh, picked some stuff up at the grocery store yesterday and I saw people sitting in a restaurant. Right. I'm like, come on. Yeah, last you're time. You're out of your, you're out of your minds, man. Well, te- technically they had till 8 o'clock that night or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Because <laughs> the virus has been known to follow all laws. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, well, yeah. and, and, and everybody has their own opinion about what, what you should be doing, but I'll just go off what the experts say because some people might be pissed that you're flying, some people might be not pissed that you're flying. Like, hey, that's like, what what do you have to do? There's no, there's no stopping it. It's gonna, it's gonna come. It's, 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 it's gonna go through the population. Population. We're just trying to slow the fucking thing down. That's it. So, and that is it. And that, that's the whole smart. discussion about flattening yeah. the curve. Yeah, right? be smart, be intelligent. Yep. You know, do do all the things that they're saying, but don't get fucking crazy. Well, and that is my message to firefighters and police officers and public safety people and healthcare professionals. Uh, it's because it's interesting. You know, my, part of part of my wife's responsibility is teaching new physicians as a working in a in a, in a residency. And is getting the the new physicians to actually understand, just like everybody else in the system, they are critical infrastructure. When things happen like this, the human resources that work in that are critical infrastructure. And the community can make their decisions and and use their wild-ass opinions about how they're going to take care of themselves or not take care of themselves. But if you've put yourself in a position to be a firefighter, a police officer, a healthcare worker, you know, doctor, nurse, technician, whatever else that is, and you're not taking your care of yourself on the days off, on your days off, and limiting your exposures, and staying home, and doing the things that that are, that are being asked of everybody, you uh, it's no different than in a mayday uh, on the fire ground. If you get if you if you make a choice and get and get spun up in a mayday, you are unable to do your job, and then actually everybody else's focus may turn to you for a short period of time and take their eye off what should be happening. So if we're having to take care of healthcare workers and public safety workers, cause they didn't do what they were supposed to, um, uh, um, that's going to be a problem. We're going to be exposed enough at work doing, do just doing our jobs in general. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, let's limit our exposures on our days off and protect ourselves at work. I think most guys are doing that. You know, most like most guys I've talked to, like me, like I went to pajama wrestling every week this week, but there's six guys in there. So it's like, hey, there's you know, there's guys in there where there's the things that I have to do to to stay ready for my job or what, stay physically fit, stay fucking healthy, all that kind of stuff. So those kind of things I'm not gonna do. I might go for a hike by myself or just one other person or two other people, stuff like that. Like we still we still have to do the things that we have to do to be ready out there, but let's not be stupid and go to a fucking party with 50 people or, you know, anything else like that. Cause I mean, truth be told, I, my, my personal opinion is we're, if, if you're in the fire service, a large majority of us are, are probably going to get it. Yeah. And well, and that's, yeah, I wanted to just talk about that a, a little bit, uh, but I do want to go back is it's interesting for me. I have a 17 year old at home or a near 17 year old at home. And I'm having to explain to him why he can't be out doing the things that he likes to be doing out. Yeah. No, dude, you've got, dude, you got to stay home. Right. And, and this is why, and I, and, and he's a smart kid and he understands when I explain to him, it's still hard. He's 17. Right. right. And he, and, uh, uh, what does he want to be doing? He's certain hanging out with his friends. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, just, so, so they're even saying small groups of kids can't hang out. Well, uh, the more they hang out, yeah. the greater risk they are. I get you. Said, yep. So if you limit just the simple interaction, yeah. um, but like if I said, "Hey, Dad, can me and my buddy go get on a mountain bike?" Uh, Your answer would be, "Well, yeah." It's more about uh, what they're doing. Yeah. So right. I would say, yeah, 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 "Yeah, all right." If you guys are going to go for a run or yeah. you're going to go for a hike, yeah, uh, cool. But you're not going to Mary's house to make out. It, exactly. <laughs> it, Come on, man. Let's it, just call it, what it, it is. I was well, seventeen once, and he and and, and believe me, that's that's that's. 
they're on spring break and now they think they're on an extended spring break. They and, are. You, well, yeah, you, yeah they are, technically they are, but dude, you're, you, 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 we need you to limit so uh, uh, the, your exposure. So this morning they were saying that 40% of all the patients in the United States that have been hospitalized that are positive for COVID uh, are between 20 and 44 years old. That makes total sense. Yeah, because they they have they They're feel that certain shit. level of invincibility. Yeah. They're out doing stuff. How well, well, if I get it, I don't care. Well, I okay, I guess I don't care if you necessarily get it individually, but who you're going to go share it with is who I have a problem with. Yeah, like I have an older mom that they would technically be susceptible to stuff. I went and saw her and just said, hey, how's your food store? You know, how's your food level? I'm going to be taking her shopping next week for yep. her, her like weekly shopping shit. And I'm actually, I'm not going to take her. Like I'm going to go shop for her, bring her shit and I'll drop it off and that's it. So, but like I have a general concern for, for my mom. Like, hey, make sure she doesn't get it. So I'm in, I'm in and out of the house quickly. I'm not hugging her. I'm not doing anything like that. You know, I'm staying 10 feet away from her, but I don't know if that's good enough not to fucking give it to her. You know what I mean? No, and so and it's you, like you just don't know, and yeah. you can, you got to do the best you can. Right? Someone has to bring her food, and someone has to make sure she's okay. So completely, yeah, and totally, you can't, we can't like, hide under the bed yeah. to do and, right. and, and get that done. Yep, for sure. So if we're taking care of ourselves, uh, if we're doing a good job with our families, following suit and taking care of themselves, um, and managing the appropriate. Uh, our appropriate protections while we're at work and doing our jobs. That's everything that we can possibly do. And we still stand a fantastic chance of being exposed. Number one, infected, number two, uh, and, and getting sick, number three, because that we, we are seeing a fair amount of folks who are carriers uh, and are positive for COVID, but they're asymptomatic. And they may be asymptomatic the entire time they have it, or it may develop into an illness or into the pneumonia that, that some people are getting. And that's the scary thing is the people who are asymptomatic and walking around with it and just flat out don't know it, uh, that's going to be, that, 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 that's a difficult uh, part of this situation that testing will help us understand more, just how, right. you know, as, our, as the testing increases and understand how many more people in, in our communities actually have it. And, and maybe that helps us increase the, 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 the number of people who will actually stay home. Um, but I don't see that happening uh, very quickly um, right now, just given the sh- given the state of, of, of affairs with regards to that. Yeah, and there is, like I said, there's no stopping it. Well, whatever route it's going to take, I think we're doing everything that we can. But as as, as a small business owner, um, you know, for me, like I told my people, like, hey, I'm here and I'm around, but I'm going to distance myself from you guys. The, the, the likelihood of me getting it, um, is higher than you getting it. I said, so you have young families, you have stuff like that. So I'm going to be around, but if I'm talking to you from 15 feet away, it's, yeah. it's not because I'm trying to be a fucking weirdo. It's because I actually give a shit about you and your family. Yep. So, so yeah, you don't want to give that to them. Yeah. Yeah, for oh, sure. Like young totally. kids and they all have young kids, you know, stuff like that. So, yep. so, you know, we talk about, um, uh, how to lead, what to lead, what not to do, stuff like that. But on a, like, yes. like on a day-to-day basis for, for me as a captain, you as a deputy chief working as a battalion chief, there's, there's certain ways we want to portray ourselves and what we're doing and be able to talk to the guys. Like for me, like this is my advice for people. Keep your fucking routines. Do the things that you normally do. If you're going to work out, work out. Don't sit in front of the fucking TV and, and, and talk about that. Don't worry about the bullshit of, well, if I get it and I'm quarantined for 14 days, you know, like what's going to happen to me? Yeah, we don't know. Things are up in the air. You could be covered. You have sick leave. You don't have sick leave. You don't have enough time. You can't work overtime. Like, I get it. Like, those are those are real things for a lot of guys out there. But, hey, it's, it's in my personal opinion, it's going to piss a lot of people off. Is now it's not the fucking time. Like, you got to show up, do your job, and whatever comes from that job. Like, you didn't sign up in, in your interview and say, hey, I'm going to do all this shit, but when shit gets a little bit squirrely, I'm just going to make my own decisions and just do what's best fucking for me. Yeah, it can't be uh, – when it gets hard, it can't be about you. Yeah. We, we signed up to do some things here, and let's show up and do it. It is team before self, and that's where it has to be and where it has to fucking stay. And I have some really hard, solid – uh, high expectations of our organization to provide the protection, to provide the equipment that that we need to do a hard job. Number and, one, and, give them the resources. Yep, and 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 I and I have to think organizationally, or I I do know actually we're they're doing the best they can right now. We are reasonably, uh, uh, reasonably well equipped uh, for the next uh, uh, at least thirty days or so. Right. Um, so that's that's a that's a positive thing, right? Um, but also. Um, uh, 
we have to be good stewards with it. We've got to follow through and make that stuff. It can't just be, yep. you guys need to fill the warehouses with unlimited supplies, and then I can do anything I want. Nope. You go, here, here, here's what you have, and here's, here's uh, what we anticipate happening. So here's what, here, are the, here are the methodologies or the, or the strategies and tactics we need you to employ to actually make it work. Right. And, and that's important. So that face-to-face communication, the intelligence, understanding what the situation is, and then that regular, consistent communication and really open transparency about what's happening. With so much technology today, um, we should be able to do that very, very readily. You would think. And, uh, and so our, our thing is, is we're making, uh, we're making every station, every shift uh, for the next however long this happens. So at least folks in my battalion, now, now I have a, actually a fairly small battalion, so it's I've got it easier than most. Um, but we're showing up, and I'm giving them very clear intel on the front end of this is exactly what the situation is locally, uh, regionally, and from a statewide perspective. Uh, we did talk a little bit nationally, but that doesn't have a, a huge impact today. It's more about looking at what could happen in the coming days. Um, and then say, hey, Let's stick to our core mission. Here's what we need to be good at our core mission. And here's what we here's what you guys already know. Let's keep doing the solid, smart things that you know to do, protecting yourself and uh, and and treating people right and making the good decisions. Getting in there and treating and taking care of people that really need to. And then on the people where we can use distance and one person and uh, and limited exposure uh, is appropriate, then do that. And, uh, but be ready to go on a fire, be ready to work on the fire ground, be ready to work on the other serious calls that we go on. Don't let COVID, uh, fuck up our ability to, to, to make good decisions on a violent incident. Don't, don't let it screw up your decision-making on the fire ground is staying focused to that and what's good. Um, so the hard part about it is, is we've, we've kind of had to shut down our training, which, you know, we have this normal training rhythm that helps us keep feel like we're primed a little bit to do our jobs and uh, and i agree we we need to shut that down but if this is going to last for a long time we're going to have to come up with alternative methods and and that really comes down to the company officers keeping their folks sharp i was gonna say which is which is easily attainable yep exactly so again uh back to uh uh, what what we're paid for right mm -hmm. fucking be a professional and your routine yeah adapt overcome whatever the fuck you however you want to say it like figure it out Yep. And yeah. and one thing public safety guys and construction guys are good at is figuring it the fuck out. Yes. We will figure it out. That is uh, one thing that I find most confidence inspiring about <laughs> both of those actually yeah. uh, industries. And, and that's one of the reasons why I love doing this so much is because they do figure it out yeah, regularly. We have action bias and we're, yep. we're, and we're problem solvers most days. Yeah. So as we move farther into this thing and we get into the, to, to the, pure mitigation phase of it, which there's no reason to believe we're not going to get there, um, especially when you look at all the modeling and, and, and we're not all the uncertainty. Um, it's going to get interesting because when all of us are getting exposed and, um, you know, whatever percentage of us gets sick, um, uh, you know, recently I, I listened to uh, a podcast from Tuesday um, from the New York Times and they were interviewing a physician um, uh, uh, who had been working three weeks? Oh, in Italy. Yeah, I listened to that one too. Treating yeah. people in Italy. Yeah, and uh, and they essentially, from a national uh, basis, for the healthcare workers, their pre-hospital folks, critical, critical folks that uh, didn't matter if you'd been exposed or not, uh, and it didn't matter necessarily if you were sick or not. If you could stand up and do the job, you came in and did the job, and if you were too sick and you you literally couldn't function in a reasonable way, then, then you couldn't function. Yep. But, uh, um, I think that's something we probably should prepare ourselves. I really hope we don't get there, but we need to prepare ourselves that if, if a, a large number of the workforce in the healthcare system and in, and in public safety actually gets ill, um, then, then it's going to be a test of the metal is, is, is who's well enough to actually do the work. Yeah. And there's, I mean, you know, if, if, if 300, let's say Phoenix firefighters got it, you there's just there's no way around that right like yeah. so, so like someone's gonna show up to work there's 427 
uh, per positions per shift. Yeah. So if so, yeah. So it's it's not like not like you can see him that you know or, or constant staff that or overtime that whatever. Like you're gonna have to figure out like, hey, fuck it, you're gonna have to wear a mask, you're gonna do this or whatever. Like things will, you know, things will have to go that way. The what I found interesting from that guy's uh, perspective is he's basically saying the same shit that that we're that, not that we're saying, but like, hey, we're doing we're overwhelmed right now because shit got overran. So we need it to be this way. And that's, again, I'll, like I'll keep saying it because people need to hear things five or 10 times for it to stick. Some of us, maybe even more, but it's like, we're doing it to prevent the system from becoming overwhelmed. Right. And I do think we all need to get ready for the system to be overwhelmed, make sure that we have set our triggers <clears throat> appropriately. Um, but in this one, like a hurricane um, or a natural disaster, you can call on resources from other parts of the United States. So the key here is like, uh, we have an earthquake here in Arizona. Obviously doesn't happen very often. Or we have a a hurricane that comes through Arizona. Obviously wouldn't happen. uh, Very unlikely that it would happen. We have the ability to uh, measure very quickly that we are going to be or have become overwhelmed and start calling for help before the system breaks. For more resources. So now... We're in a national and a global emergency. And so our ability to call for help becomes that much less. We may have areas of the country or the areas of the state that have that are affected a little bit less, and they may have the ability to share resources and people and, and tools, um, but it's actually fairly unlikely. So, and it's going to be an unlimited number. They're shipping they're shipping American doctors to Italy to help over there. Absolutely. They, yes, absolutely. Yeah, they, they are, but, but the resource is finite like when it's when when something's localized you can overwhelm it with resources right hey totally. we need fema can send everybody in their fucking power there and there's fifty thousand people or whatever in this situation you're not you can't overwhelm the situation with resources it's the exact opposite you're protecting your resources from becoming overwhelmed yeah so for example there is what they call the national ambulance contract and uh so in times of crisis um, uh, Department of Homeland Security and FEMA can enact this national ambulance system. And they're supposed to be able to provide, I think if I remember correctly, it's like 300 ambulances within, I don't know, like a 72-hour period. I, I, I may be getting those numbers off, but they're not off by a ton. I think they're 100% and, correct. And, <laughs> so, but, but interestingly... Nobody's going to fucking know. So if we initiate that now, where are they coming from? Fuck, who knows? Every other system, every other system around us is going to be equally uh, um, tapped as we are. So My buddy's company has about thirty box trucks, <laughs> yeah, box trucks and, and shelving units for Costco. Yeah, right. That's maybe what we need. But uh, so interesting, you know, the ambulances aren't going to help this system, right? Because we, I guess, we could have all the ambulances we wanted, uh, but uh, having a place to take them where yeah. they can actually get care—that's right. going to be the challenge. Yep. And then, and then we have all this, and we have the hospitals jam packed, and we, we, cl- we crash a plane somewhere, or we have a, a large scale, uh, um, you know, natural uh, or terrorist weather attack incident, or whatever, a, or, or a, a terrorism attack, or a complex terrorism attack, a complex coordinated terrorism attack. Um, wow, get ready. Okay, real world question: Go on a call, someone's slightly injured in a car accident, they potentially want to go to the hospital, and they ask. They ask, do you think I should go to the hospital right now? Uh, it's the same considerations we always make, right? Yep. And uh, there is the welfare of the patient, you know, how they're doing, what what we're actually seeing, what the mechanism of injury is, you know, all that other potential plays into yep. it. There's a little bit of a liability deal. We don't want to hang our ass out unnecessarily, and we want to make good decisions for the patient and good decisions for the department. But knowing also that... Uh, Sending that patient to the hospital could uh, they could either be there an incredibly long time because they're already overwhelmed, or uh, the the greatest source of uh, infection potentially could be a hospital. Um, then I think that's a fair conversation to have with anybody, everybody. And that's what I had yesterday. Yeah, with a patient. There, she she's in a small car accident. She had a little bit of abrasion on her arm, and she's like, "Well, I'd like to go to the hospital. Like, we can send you to the hospital." She's like, "Well, do you think I need to go?" And my answer was. I cannot tell you whether you can go to the hospital or not, but you have to realize what's going on in the world right now. And are you injured enough that you feel like you need to go to an emergency room versus have something else happen to you? Yeah, well, we may, this crisis may end up, we may end up seeing a little bit of a switch like a lot of other countries 
have, well, they, they had, they never got to the point we are. So, uh, um, is where people or get, or have an incident here or an issue here or an accident or whatever, and they'll sit and they're kind of willing to be a victim and they'll wait and for somebody to come and tell them it's right. okay or it's not okay. Yeah. And that's what we end up doing a lot. Yeah. Right. Uh, where in other places that, that, uh, uh, undergo violence and, and things like that, uh, those citizens learn not to be victims. Nope. Is if I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting the hell out of here, I'm t- going to take care <laughs> right. of myself. If I, need to, if I need to seek medical attention, I will. But uh, if you think of uh, um, like cities in Israel um, that had, uh, you know, in the past that had uh, experienced all those car, car bombings and, and bombings of public uh, transportation and all that, they come. They've come to be a pretty hardened society, and they're not going to be victims unless they absolutely are incapacitated, and they tend to take care of themselves, and they don't just lay in the street and wait for somebody to come help them. Well, it's perspective, right? Oh, so totally. So I was hiking with a buddy uh, uh, before shift, and they, they came from um, Iran, Iran, having the fuck he said. And his mom, you know, she's an older lady. She's like, I don't know why Americans are freaking the fuck out right now. And, she, and she's like, she's like, you have everything that you need to survive. There's not bombs being dropped on you. When your dad went to the store to get groceries, we weren't worried about. Uh, uh, we were worried about him coming home because he got fucking blown up. Like not that stuff. And I think a lot of not this, that they were out of. Uh, uh, I normally have the selection of six different types of lettuce in the produce section, and that they're out of two or three of them now. That that's our inconvenience. Oh no, there's plenty of that shit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, but that's that's they don't have that stuff. Right. We've right. got all these luxuries, and our level of inconvenience is so much different than their level of actual right. true little inconvenience and 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 risk. Yeah, it's a way different system. I totally get that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so your perspective is different, but but we have to realize what you know what we're dealing with. Yes, it's a bad thing. Yes, people are dying. Yes, people are getting sick. But we can do something to chill the fuck out. We don't have to. Our reaction does not have to be frantic. It 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 it, it doesn't have to be a panic type thing. And the calmer and cooler that we can be as owners, business people, public safety people, when we're on a call and, or when we're doing things, the better it's going to be for everyone. Yep, and the like, better we're going to and the better we're going to manage ourselves. Yeah. And the and 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 the better we're going to manage our own welfare, uh mental stability, uh, abil- uh resiliency, overall yep. resiliency. Right. Um it is is 100% with that. And Look at the if our hair is on fire. Nobody around us is going to be confident. No, uh, and especially our customers. Like, like I made a few phone calls to some employees today. I'm like, look, hey, if, if if shit hits the fan, and the world goes into, and we're 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 being chased by zombies. Hopefully, the slow ones that walk, and not the fast ones that run. Like, <laughs> we have a contingency plan for you guys. You have right. young families. I have I have jobs for you guys. In in other situations, I've you know I've I've reached out to you know to a good friend of mine. Uh, they could use you if that happens. I'm yep. like, and there's other things that we're doing behind the scenes that if something comes up, we will protect you. And just like being on a fire truck, like, look, hey, if we come across a patient that is that is that is 100%, you know, positive for for this virus, we're gonna do the shit that we know what to do. We're gonna protect ourselves as much as possible. We're fucking here. We're stuck. Like we are here. We're treating this patient. We're taking this patient to the hospital. We're not fucking turning people away. Hey. Put, put like again. Put your put your big pick. Put your big boy pants on. We have to go to work. We have to do what we have to do. Like we're not going to take any unnecessary steps to make sure that the the that we don't you know that that we get it and we're going to protect ourselves as much as possible. But man, we got a job to do, and let's do that job. Yeah, we don't get to pick what we're going to tolerate, what inconveniences we're going to tolerate on our job. Yeah, we'd like to, but we don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll be smart. We won't make dumb decisions. We'll use everything we can to protect ourselves and mitigate the potential risks, but we've got a job to do. Yeah, that's that's not what you fucking signed up for. You yep. didn't sign up for convenience. Just like just like our, our our military personnel. I'm sure there's 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 dudes in the National Guard that are like, I got to go stock fucking shelves. Like that's like that's what, like that's right. what I got to do. Right. Like yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah, do you, like would I do it if fucking I was still in? Yeah, I mean, would it suck? Would I bitch about it? Yeah, potentially, but hey, I still go fucking do it. Yeah, it's what it's what the co- the contribution they need at the time, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and uh, this will definitely truly define uh, the people in public safety that are either here for the t-shirt or here for the uh, <laughs> um, you know the, the the cool 
the cool public safety things that you know people like to wear around or, or, or show off um, uh, compared to the people who really came here to do the work. Yeah, And for sure. I like to think that uh, everybody I'm working with came here to do the work. And, uh, and we'll, uh, even when people are unsure, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to pick them up. We're going to, we ain't going to leave anybody behind. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do all the right stuff. We're going to make everybody feel as comfortable as they possibly can in a really, really uncomfortable position. Yeah. There, there's, there's not going to be one guy. Well, I'm like, I'll take that back. There may be one. Most guys on a fire truck, if we're going in to treat somebody, they're not going to be like, I'm, I'm going to sit at the truck. No, I can just say from where I work right now, we've had a couple of these. Uh, and, and fortunately they've all actually been, uh, uh, they haven't been a true positive case, but, uh, they, these crews have stood up like, yep. nope. Okay. I'm going to do it. He's going to do it. Uh, you guys do this part. We're going to do this part. Let, let's take care of it. Let's not mess around and bang. They're all over it. And it's, it's making me pretty proud of the people I'm coming in contact with. That's and, awesome. And that are, that are working in and around me. And there's things that you can do. If that patient can walk outside of the house to treat whatever, do that stuff. Like don't, you don't have to, like if, if they're ambulatory and they're, they have something like that, bring them outside the house. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's the stuff we do anyway. I we don't oh, yeah. want to treat I worked downtown for yeah, 10 years. Yeah, we don't want to treat people in the back bedroom of, a, of, a, of an apartment. Right? No, get them out on the get out of them out on the front step or get them on the balcony. Yeah. Or do do the things. It's the same stuff. Yeah, be smart about how you attack the stuff. Yeah, if they have a broken leg, you're not gonna ask them to crawl from the fucking back bedroom out here. Like, you're, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Just don't be a fucking like completely dense. No, right? take care of people. Yeah. Do the right thing. Yeah, treat them. Treat them as if they were your own. Yeah. Cause they are. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So, and, and, that, and, and that goes to, um, when as, as public safety people, ex-military guy like myself or whatever, I feel like I have a job to do outside of that, that, uh, that fire truck. Like, uh, like, like we say that shirt never comes off. They're like, they're going to know that's, that's, that guy's a firefighter or whatever. Like when you're at the store, act appropriately. Don't fucking like, you know, use manners, uh, stick up for people that, that need to be, um, you know, stuck up for like all those things, like be a good human being and make, uh, your family, make the, the department you work for proud of how you're acting off that job. Yeah. How you're carrying yourself. And, and, uh, remember our behavior now will define us for the rest of our careers. Yeah. And so we can really enhance how, uh, how our, what our peers and, what our bosses and what our subordinates think of us by how we behave now, that's going to way outlast this problem. Yep. And uh, if, if you become a tool bag in this time, you'll probably be a tool bag forever. If you're standing up, leading, doing the right thing, getting people, uh, uh, taking care of people the way you're, uh, you, we should, uh, that will probably be remembered way, well, I know it will be remembered way past, you know, what's going on right now. For sure. Be the leader that, that your dog thinks you are. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> be, be that person what else can we throw out there um uh so i i am going to do a little bit of a commercial so uh I- even in times of public health crisis there's important things happening in the american fire service so just yesterday underwriters laboratory released uh the uh first um um report uh, out of the coordinated fire attack study for in single family residents. I saw that. And that's science too. Yeah. And it's, th- this is a true test because it's a 400 page report and there's, there's some math formulas in there that just kind of made me nauseous and just made my head hurt. Just looking at, I was going to say that report's about 399 pages too long for me. <laughs> yeah. So you know, for the American fire service, I think it is, but it has to be, they apparently they have to use this thing called a, some kind of scientific standard oh, well, that's weird. to make it real. If it's in 26 fonts <laughs> and there's pop-ups in it, I'm fucking in. If not, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah I, so, I think I, I, did they, did they send a separate PDF with the, cliff notes or the color? book version yeah i I may not get past the executive (laughs) summary well so so but that that will be my message actually is read the executive summary okay and read the tactical considerations and then if you want to get into oh i wonder why or how they actually came to that conclusion or or the technical panel actually gave this the this tactical consideration well i promise you at nauseum there is more information in that thing that can help you understand is oh really so um uh, your pr- the proximity to the fire, uh, the closer you are to the fire, the more danger you are in. 
Huh, interesting. I never knew that. That, so, that sounds that, reasonable, right? Yeah, that's well, they now actually have some science from these uh, not 14 some experiments that, that were conducted that actually says, okay, this is this shows in each one of those why and how and and uh, you know you could start talking about uh, what is it a function uh, functional effective dose, I think is FED. I may be saying that wrong. Again, I'm, I've already screwed up the science involved in it. And uh, all of that's in there. So if you actually understand that, man, more power to you. I don't. I got to go to the conclusion. And then I actually have to ask the scientist, <laughs> okay, I heard what you just said. Let me make sure that I actually yeah, understand totally what you just You're totally dispelling the title of fire nerd that I've given you. Yeah, so well, this this might uh, bring bring that title back. Did you read all 400 pages? Uh, or are you going to read all 400 pages? I have been. So we've had the report for, since I participate in the technical panel, we've Chris had kind the of a big deal. He sits like on the board. Three, oh, yeah. Just ask me. <laughs> we've, we've had, this is the, the, the first draft was probably written three months ago. And you read that? And, yeah. So we've been going nerd, through yeah, that because nerd. they want us, they want our input. <laughs> right. And so uh, now they are, they help us by summarizing some of it. <laughs> and then, then we have these phone calls and say, okay. Uh, here's what we came away with. Do you guys see it the same way? How do we best explain it? What what terms can we put this in that helps better? So that's our role is we don't get involved in the math. They're asking you. They're asking. Yeah. They're literally asking you. Can we? Is this dumbed down enough that you guys understand yeah. this? Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah, they're doing. Exactly. Well, guys that wear a helmet to work with their names on their shirt actually understand this. No, because they're not going to read 400 <laughs> pages. So that well, that was our 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 charge. Um, besides participating in the experiments and helping, part, you know, kind of set up the experiment so that it's real world. And that can be found on UL's website? Yeah, ulfirefightersafety.org. There you and, go. And uh, under the uh, Coordinated Fire Attack Study and go look at it. Um, and uh, so we're now having the conversations of how are we going to present this as a fire service to help fire departments figure out how to implement this stuff. Um, That's know, a big feat. We're having internal conversations here in Phoenix, but uh, you know, uh, externally is how does uh, you know all these fire departments? So we're a technical panel of twenty, I believe it is, and we're of all ranks. So I've got firefighters, have a couple of volunteers, hmm. um, uh, got a deputy chief from the FDNY, a battalion chief from Chicago, a battalion chief from Washington D.C. Pretty well rounded, yeah. Man. So like, so a really interesting folks, a firefighter from Colorado Springs. Uh, so you know, all levels of an organization, and w- when they take this back to their organization, they typically have either the the, the real authority or the influence to to integrate this stuff and to to, to create that. Well. There's way more fire departments than just the 20 of us that, right. that, that have a direct connection to it. So how do we help everybody else figure that out? And we're, we're going through some, some things as, as a technical panel of, of how we're going to present this to the rest of the fire service to really help them. Because uh, it's changed some tactical decisions I'll make on the fire ground as an incident commander. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. And when, when the ones come up about, about garden apartments and then the one comes out about the strip mall, even though those are more exploratory and they're just basically set a baseline of uh, and, and a conclusion of, wow, we need to do way more of these right. to answer a lot of questions. Um, but it's it still has made a difference in some of the decisions I would make. Well, it's knowledge. It's science-based knowledge. Like the, the, yeah. that you can actually apply a tactic based on a a, a real world scientific equation that has that has produced expected results that's what you want like yeah. and no, nothing against a dude that had 35 years on the job but just because Jim Bob said that's why that you do it sometimes isn't enough well and it may be right but they don't know why yeah and and so this is helping explain why and it truly was built and believe me there are some really really outspoken folks on this technical panel that, that and I mean this very very complimentary uh, that are very specific about this is about uh, survivability of victims and us, our ability to get to victims, and it's about our ability to put out the fire. And that that, that was that was the huge focus of this, and it's pretty legit. And I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty humbled to get to hang out with a crowd like that uh, and participate in something like this. Awesome. So let's uh, wrap this thing up. What do you think? That sounds good. So Let, let's just let's just re, let's just re restate everything that. We stated so from a higher level in times of crisis. Well, it's it's really oh, come on. Let's be fucking like let's be honest. How you lead in crisis is the same way that you lead in normal times, right? Yeah, yeah it's just on. amplified. Yeah, exactly. It, your your call to duty is higher. So one at a high level, 
create a communication plan that's standardized 100%. and that's used regularly to be able to get your people the information that's pertinent that, for them to do their job and allow and, and and make sure at that time that they understand where the resources are at, how they can use them, and what they can do when presented with a potential issue, whether it be calling this number, that number, emailing here, calling for more maps, whatever that is. Make sure that is written, standard, and, and, and actually out there for people to consume. Yeah, it has to be executed from the highest levels down. It has to be incredibly transparent, uh, almost uncomfortably transparent, and uh, and it has to be real and legit. And you have to say when stuff's bad, you have to say this is bad. Yeah. Or you know what? I don't have the answer for that, and I can either try and find it out or figure it out, or if it's actually a truly unknown state that you know what, it's unknown. We're going to work on it in this way, and I hope we get an answer. But um, uh, this is our best shot at understanding what's going on, even if we don't truly know the real answer. Second thing to do, have face-to-face or phone calls in, in times like these as much as possible with, with either your subordinates or uh, whoever you need to. Don't hide behind a keyboard. Don't hide behind a monitor. Lead from the front in this situation. This one you have to lead from the front, right? There, there's no leading from the side or, or, or leading from the back on, 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 in, in times of crisis. Yeah, in times of crisis like this, in times of crisis on the fire ground, in times of crisis in any other spot, is you, you, you do need to be front and center. Yeah. And you need to be, uh, oftentimes you are either with or in between the problem and the people that, that, you're, are, that are working for you. Um, and if not shoulder to shoulder with them as yep. it's going on. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and 100%. And you can't be, you can't be afraid of that. Nope. Yep. Fear, fear, you, you cannot allow fear to rule the day ever. Period. Yeah, even if yeah. you are deathly afraid and even if you are incredibly insecure about what's going on. Um, your ability to uh, instill some level of confidence in the folks you're working with um, is, is important. There is no fear without courage, right? Well, yeah, and you know, every time we sit in here, and I know I have uh, Dick Winter's uh, top ten uh, oh, right on your head, the leadership yeah. right behind my head right now. <laughs> Wish I could make it fall on yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, uh, I cannot. Uh, uh, I well, I'm certain there were times where he was very unsure and very uh, uh, unclear about what the uh, what the outcome potentially could be, but he was not afraid to lead, and that's what we've got to do in this situation. Man, maybe we should drop that one back-to-back on this one. Maybe we should. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe it's time for both. Um, create, cons- well, not create. Maintain consistency in what you do, how you do it, how you train, how you work out. Um, your, your day-to-day... Re- Rituals with your crew, even though shit's a little bit crazy right now. I'm not. I'm not gonna say it's a lot crazy. Just a little bit crazy right now. Make sure that you continue to do those things that make your crew solid. Train, work out, eat together. You know, have that community stuff. All that stuff that 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 has made you tight. Don't stop that. And it is the the mission. Still is the mission. Yep. You might have a new problem or a new challenge on the horizon, but the mission still is the mission. So that consistency will matter. Yep. One hundred percent. And the last thing is, again, when you're for me, and you can throw more in here for me, when you leave that station, don't forget who in the fuck you are. Yeah, don't forget who you are, and don't forget what you're responsible for. Yeah, and you're responsible for taking care of yourself because we need you back next shift to be able to do uh, what you're signed up to do. And, and I think our guys are doing a good job at that. Yeah, I, I would agree. I yeah. have zero reason to believe they are not. Yep. Uh, and in fact, they're they're probably being better at it. The more information and the and the more solid intel that they're getting on why they should be doing what they're doing, um, uh, I have zero zero reason to think otherwise. Perfect. What else you got to add to that? I think that's it. I think uh, I think we're in a really good position, and we need to rely on what what strong leadership training we've had and what strong leaders uh, our role models have been, um, and uh, and and go with that. Um, I'll quote Terry Garrison here: "Is don't yell down." Only yell up, <laughs> right? So if stuff's not yelling going, at you any you, second. Well, so don't if if stuff's not going right and you're not getting what you need, uh, you need to say something and you need to do it very clear, very uh, uh, I'll even say forcefully, 
you don't have to be an asshole and you don't have to be a dick and you don't have to you don't have to make it personal but you need to make sure that you're being heard yeah and uh and and pick your times when you do it you've got to know what matters and what doesn't because if you do it on something that doesn't matter then you erode you know your your credibility away instantaneously almost make them accountable when it's most important yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. that you do your part and expect them to do their part all right Wrap this shit up. Yeah, let's shut it up. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We did a quick one because we just want to we wanted to get this one out there quickly with what's happening. Uh, again, you can find us at Make the Difference Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can go to Libsyn to listen to our podcast. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Pocket Cast, anywhere that this uh, uh, podcast can be downloaded, you can listen to it there. Um, I missed anything, Chris? Yeah, Spotify too, motherfuckers. You can listen yeah. to it there. So, um, What's a Spotify? <laughs> it's, uh, I'll tell you later. Okay. got to take your pants off. Though. All right. All right. <laughs> so thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Give feedback. We've been getting great feedback lately um, on everything and what we're doing. Tell us what you want to hear. Um, we're putting some individual ones out there right now on leadership, promotion stuff, all kinds of other stuff. So there, there's more to come. But thanks, guys. Be safe. Protect yourself. Act in a way that's appropriate for for uh, you and your family and your department and your company and your military, all that good shit. And do not let fear rule the day. Be a leader. Mm-hmm.